Welcome to Business Masters, the podcast that gives you direct access to world-leading experts on key business issues. To be the first to know about future shows and to access even more exclusive content, visit businessblueprint.com and subscribe today. Hello, it's Dale Beaumont, founder of Business Blueprint, and welcome to another Business Masters podcast. Today, I'm talking with marketing expert, best-selling author, and professional speaker, Amanda Stevens. And our topic is the secrets of marketing to women. Amanda, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Dale. So before we kind of get into our questions, I want to kind of set the record straight. Who is this interview going to be for? Because guys have no idea what's going on inside a woman's mind, but women kind of understand women. So is this talk just for men or will women kind of benefit from this uh, presentation as well? Um, that's a great question. And yeah, the whole the whole topic of what women want is something that I've dedicated most of my life, my adult life to. Um, and, you know, Sigmund Freud died at age 83, still unable to answer that one question. Um, and so a lot of blokes want to know the secrets to what women want and what women are thinking about. But for, I think for any business owner, these days, small or large, even the increasing influence that women are having in, in purchase decisions across every single industry, uh, any business owner can can certainly benefit from understanding what's motivating women and um, you know consumers these days in general to, to purchase. Okay, so let's get back into it then. Why should we be focusing on marketing to women as opposed to just marketing in general? And in this day of you know equal opportunity, aren't we all the same? Mm, great question. And you know the simple fact is that uh, women are now making somewhere between eighty and eighty-five percent of all purchase decisions. That's a fairly well-accepted worldwide statistic. Uh, and there's a few trends you know demographically and social trends that are continuing to drive the profile and the influence that women are having you know we're earning more money we're getting married later uh, we're having children later so there's a you know things are really changing for consumers female consumers particularly in that 25 to 40 age demographic where they're you know spending that time in their life really making a dent in their career, earning more money and and then having a, an increasing influence in a whole range of different purchases. Now, I know that this is <laughs> could keep us talking for hours, but you know, can you describe what are some of the kind of core differences from a marketing or business perspective uh, between men and, and women and how they buy? Yeah, I mean, I think the point that is really, the point that's really important to start with is that uh, marketing and selling to women doesn't mean that you're not marketing and selling to men. It's not an either-or proposition. So um, for any business owner who uh, is focused on better understanding and more effectively marketing to women, they'll often find that that will improve their marketing overall, even if women, even if men are only making up, let's say, 20 or 30% of their, of their purchases. So that's the first thing to keep in mind. But in saying that also, if you are effectively marketing to women, you know, it's often a really great strategic decision. There's a great saying that if you meet the expectations of women, you often exceed the expectations of men. So effectively marketing to women can improve your overall marketing. So that's the first step. But the fact is that the way that women respond to marketing messages uh, and the way that they ultimately go through a purchase decision and that the decision process, um, that, that differs quite dramatically between men and women. 
So understanding that there is a, certainly a process difference, but more importantly, how what appeals to men and women from a marketing perspective is quite different. So that's the first step, is identifying those differences um, and then tailoring your marketing to more effectively appeal to those two segments. And, you know, it's interesting, a lot of big brands in particular spend literally millions of dollars of research in identifying different market segments and gender is often something that's overlooked and from our research, it certainly is, it really is kind of the number one identifier between consumer segments because the way that... As I said, the way that men and women respond to marketing is quite different. Mm. All right. Well, let's dive in a little bit. T- tell us, what are the, the differences in, in how men and, and women buy? How would a man approach a purchase as opposed to a woman? What goes through their mind um, in assessing and then making a purchasing decision? Mm. Well, firstly, uh, from, as I said, from a marketing perspective, men and women take will take quite different things out of the same message. So... At a simple level, women will respond to more emotional, emotive messages. Um, so things from a visual perspective, they'll be drawn to more human-based visuals uh, and more storytelling in the type of communication, whereas men are more um, will respond better to facts and data and bullet point type communication. So for some of your listeners out there who are marketing to men and women with a, with a website, for example, it's about making sure that you appeal to both those sides. So you've got the storytelling and the emotive-based communication style for women and then the more facts and data bullet point style communication for men. So that's the first point in terms of how men and women respond to marketing messages. But then in terms of the purchase process, particularly when it comes to information gathering, uh, that will be quite different. So men will make a decision generally more quickly. So from the, from the point of... Um, information gathering to ultimate purchase will be a shorter process um, than it will be for women. So women will spend a lot longer information gathering um, and they'll generally use around 100% more sources of information than the average man. So they'll spend time talking to people, they'll do a lot of online research. Um, so there's a, you know, they'll factor in a much broader set of criteria in making an ultimate decision. Um, so generally women take longer to make a decision. Okay, and you've you've talked about, I've been in some of your live presentations and they're, and they're fabulous. Um, you talked about this thing called the inner circle. Can you tell people what is that concept all about and how does it work? Uh, it, look, I think for any business owner, this is probably one of the most exciting opportunities because very few businesses really understand the opportunity. And if you get it right, um, it can lead to market share growth very, very quickly. And the, the inner circle is a dynamic that we're seeing with women where, you know, women are getting married later, they're having children later. What we're finding is that throughout their 20s and 30s, women are surrounding themselves with, we call it the inner circle. It's almost like a pseudo family, if you like, and it's usually two or three other women. So if you think of, you know, sex in the city, for example, that's the perfect modern day um, example of an inner circle and, and the dynamic of the inner circle and how powerful it is from an influence point of view. So those two or three other women in a woman's life is what we're seeing from the research is emerging as the number one dominant source of information, particularly around new products and services. So you know what that means is that particularly for a small business, it's a really exciting uh, opportunity because it means that when you're marketing and selling to women, 
you're often not just marketing and selling to them. You're often um, also marketing to the inner circle. So it becomes a multi-layered sales opportunity. And the other exciting part of it is that if you get, if you increase your market share of a particular inner circle, what happens is the individual loyalty and individual spend of those individuals goes up. And what I mean by that is, let's say you've got an inner circle made up of four friends. If you have one of those four women as a customer, you have 25% market share of that inner circle. Um, but as soon as she introduces another member of that inner circle to that brand relationship and you get that person as a customer, so you now have 50% market share of the inner circle. What happens is the individual loyalty and individual spend of those um, two women will generally increase and it will continue to increase until you have the ultimate, which is 100% market share of an inner circle and then um, that's where you start to get Get, that's where things get really exciting because your the loyalty is reaches a premium, and those women will then start to extend their referrals out to other inner circles. So, you know, they become walking advertisements for your business, which is you know the ultimate form of advertising. So, what are some practical things that we can do to start to gain the trust of that inner circle? Yeah, I mean, I think it's about the first question that any business owner needs to ask themselves is, how shareable is my product or service? And what I mean by that is, you know, are your promotions uh, and the way people can purchase or, you know, become part of your business, how shareable is that with their friends? And what I mean by that is, you know, the promotions that you're running, do you have a referral program? Is it, are there easy ways for me to introduce someone um, to this brand relationship and am I rewarded for that? So, um, you know, there's loads of businesses that I've worked with in lots of different industries, you know, from dry cleaners to tourism operators, lots of retailers and even political parties to structure their promotions and their communications and their way their website is designed in a way that makes it very easy for existing customers to share that brand relationship and, and also looking at, as I said, how they're rewarded for doing so. Mm. Can you give us some examples or stories of uh, other businesses that you know that are marketing successfully to women and maybe doing some of the, um, uh, the what you're talking about by making it easy for people to share? Yeah, I mean, not just businesses. We've seen recently whole industries really re-engineer the way they market themselves to women. And one that, that springs to mind is certainly you know, the racing industry. Traditionally, you know, 20, 30 years ago, the racing industry was was quite male-dominated. It was The way it was marketed was very blokey. Uh, and in the last few decades, the racing industry has done a very good job of realising that even though they're marketing to men and women... If they market to women well and get the women to the races, the men will follow. But if you look at, if you drill down on that a little bit further and look at the way that they visually represent and communicate racing and, and then following on from that particular racing event, um, it's all really based around the inner circle. So it's about enjoying um, the consumption of a product, in this case, racing or a racing event, um, but spending time with you in a circle, which is a key priority for women in their 20s and 30s. Um, so the racing industry has done a very good job of not only targeting inner circles, but visually representing themselves in a way that make them a part of the inner circle and make it easy for me to introduce my friends and bring my friends into this 
um, into this brand relationship. Okay, great. Anything else apart from, you know, making things uh, shareable, also beautiful, trying to get emotion into our marketing as well? Any other tips for, you know, material or collateral or if people are running, um, you know, advertising campaigns? What should we keep in mind at that, at that point? I think, as I said, visually, probably the most important thing. You know, ask yourself, are my communications speaking to women in a way that is representative of that priority in their life? Is Do I have a visual representation somewhere in my website or my collateral that speaks to the inner circle? And it's about, you know, sharing those moments with the inner circle. The fact is women are working the longest hours in paid employment. And so when we research them, they talk about, their priorities being finding more time to spend with their friends. So does your, you know, does your website and communication represent that? But the other thing is that, you know, following on from your marketing and your collateral and the way that you present your brand or your business from a communications perspective, the other big important part is the experience. Uh, does your business deliver an experience that is, as I say, is it worthy of a Friday night dinner party conversation? Because the conversations that go on with inner circles at dinner parties on Friday nights can literally be the conversations that have a big impact, particularly on small businesses. So it's all got to start with the experience. And this is where I think small business has such a great, unique opportunity over big business right now, because uh, consumers in general and women in particular are looking for a great experience. Um, you know, recent research shows that women say they're prepared to spend 16% more for a product or service if it delivers a great experience. And ultimately, that's what they want. They're looking for an experience that they can tell their friends about. Mm. So, you know, are you delivering conversation? Are you delivering experiences that are worthy of a Friday night dinner party conversation? And that. It's got to start there because, you know, we, we hear a lot about social media and we hear a lot about different ways of marketing our business, but it's got to come back to the experience. It's got to, whether it's me talking about a brand or a business on social media or talking about it at a Friday night dinner party conversation, um, it, it's got to be something that's worth talking about and it all, it all starts with the experience. And is that just about kind of under-promising and over-delivering or, or exceeding expectations or is it a bit more to it than that? Look, I think it is. Exceeding expectations is really a core principle of it, but it's also, you know, really going the extra mile and doing things that, that have that surprise factor, that have the wow factor, that have the delight factor. And small business is able to do that in a really quick, nimble way, if you like, compared to big businesses where... You know, I'm working with a big brand at the moment um, and they get the principle of surprise and delight at a functional level. They're often not able to do it because their business is structured in a way that, well, hang on, I have to get permission. I have to ring head office to see if I'm able to do that. Um, and that's the challenge that big business has right now in delivering wow experiences to consumers, whereas small businesses are able to do it very quickly and they're able to do it in a way that, immediately set them over and above their bigger competitors. The other thing I'd like to talk about is the, the kind of the point of sale. Um, what are some things that we should keep in mind as business owners at that kind of, you know, that critical moment when we're in a dialogue and it's, it's kind of, you know, moving forward? How do we make sure that we 
uh, how, how do women, I suppose, want to buy? Yeah, I mean, I, I do a lot of work with small businesses and particularly I'm doing a lot with retailers at the moment. And what I say to them is you have to assume at the point of purchase that this is a long-term relationship. I think too, far too many, particularly in retail, I'm using retail as an example, but far too many retail transactions are simply just that. They're mm-hmm. just transactions. Whereas if a business is engineered around the thought process of building long-term profitable relationships with their consumers, that really changes everything at the point of purchase. Because if you're, if you're dealing with a customer in a way that, that's pre, pre-assuming that they're going to be coming back, at some point, it changes the way you communicate with them. It changes the way you service that transaction, and it becomes more than that. It becomes more than a transaction. So, and you know, a lot of people listening to this will be able to recall a very recent retail example where you've gone in, you've purchased something, you've realised that the person serving you really doesn't give two hoots about you. Um, they're not even that focused on you. It's a bit of an interruption to their day that they've even had to serve you. And that is the problem with business right now, whereas if you are a business that's able to step out of that, you know, out of that reality that goes on with so many businesses and do things differently and really care about the customer and talk to them in a way that's assuming that they're going to be coming back in the near future, it immediately changes the way that you're perceived as a business. So and it's, it's often just the little things that you do. You know, I say to people, if, if someone's paying by credit card, Use their name when you hand the credit card back to them. There's a big difference between me buying a pair of jeans and walking out thinking, oh, that person really didn't care about me and the person you know, really taking the time to ask the right questions, finding a solution that fits my needs, um, having a chat about things beyond that purchase about me and about what's going on in my day. And then when I pay, saying, thanks so much, Amanda, we'll see you next time. That's a very different experience to what, most retail transactions are like. Fantastic. Great. Well, we'll um, need to wrap up soon, but any other f- sort of final tips or hints when it comes to, to marketing to, to women? Any other things we haven't really covered? Yeah, I think there's some really, for, particularly for small businesses listening, there's some really very simple, quick, cost-effective ways that you can get closer to your consumers. One of the things that I recommend for any business, big or small, is to set up a customer advisory group. Um, And a really quick and easy way to do that would be to find six of your existing customers, um, men men or women, but women are generally um, more open to this kind of concept, and have a monthly lunch with them and just ask them a whole bunch of questions about what they think about your business, show them some you know, upcoming campaigns or marketing ideas that you've got and get them to tell you from the consumer's perspective, from your customer's perspective, how that's going to be viewed um, and involve them in the process. You'd be amazed at what happens when you, when you set up an advisory board who advise you and give you that great perspective that sometimes is quite difficult to get when you're working in your business and on your business 24-7. To be able to step out and see things through a customer's eyes is a really powerful thing. And what happens is that when you make someone an advisor, you make them an advocate. So it's a really cost-effective way to not only get feedback, but also set up a a bit of a um, group of advocates for your business. And another, so yeah, I think getting close to your customers is really important. And 
The other thing that I just wanted to touch on, which I think is an opportunity for a lot of businesses, is the 50-plus market. A lot of people listening out there will be, even if they're already marketing to women, will perhaps be, if they're like a lot of industries, overlooking the 50-plus female market, which is the fastest-growing wealth segment currently. And they are the segment that feels ignored. They feel misunderstood and they feel invisible, which is words that they use. So I think for a lot of people listening, there is would be an untapped opportunity for them to better target and, in fact, perhaps think about how they could tailor their products or services to suit that 50-plus market. So it's, a, I think, an emerging opportunity for a lot of industries and a lot of businesses. Fantastic. Some great points there. Um, I also understand that you've written a number of books as well, some on this subject. So can you share what are the, the titles that you've produced and where can people get their hands on copies if they want to, uh, you know, to learn about this subject further? Yeah, so I've written three books on marketing to women um, and they're called She Marketing, She Selling and my latest one which is called Purse Strings. Uh, and I'm also just about to release a book specifically for retailers called Retail Rescue. And on my website currently, you can get a, a free three-chapter download of all four of those books. Fantastic. And I think the website is amandastevens.com.au. Is that correct? That's correct. Oh, fantastic. Okay. Well, we're going to wrap it up there. Amanda, thanks very much for your time. Thanks, Dale. Thanks for having me. For more information about Amanda Stevens, head to the website just mentioned, amandastevens.com.au. Thanks for listening to another Business Masters podcast. To access more great content or to download your free business plan template, visit businessblueprint.com.